interesting. I was uh, praying Christmas morning, and the Lord said he wanted seven steps to answered prayer taught Wednesday night. I thought, well, that's interesting. And I looked it up, and I've never spoken on, I've never spoken on seven steps to answered prayer at uh, Faith Christian Center. Austin has, but I haven't. It's in the study course, Masters of Destiny. And, and that takes me on a little interesting side journey. The idea, because I just read it the other, the other day, I've started my annual Bible reading over for the new year, getting a head start. But God said to Cain, he said, sin is crouching at your door, but you must master it. And so in the study series, uh, Masters of Destiny, that theme runs through there things that we should master. And one of them is prayer. And it's in that section where we have seven steps to answer prayer. This is from Kenneth Hagin's Bible prayer study course. Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord 2003. It's interesting to me because that concept of mastering is, was a common theme also of one of my fathers in the faith, John Osteen. Actually, that's where I got the idea of mastering Money is from John Osteen. See, there are certain things, and they'll, they'll master you, so you have to work at mastering them. One is money. <laughs> you know, <laughs> money, money is a cruel taskmaster. Amen. And, uh, and then there are things that can get a hold of you, and you don't want them to get a hold of you. Alcohol, drugs, porn, because they're cruel taskmasters. So these things are crouching at your door. And God said to Cain, you must master them. So seven steps to answered prayer. Here we go. Number one, decide what you want from God and find the scriptures that definitely promise you those things. A lot of time and effort is wasted in prayer. And somebody might say, that's a horrifying statement to make, that a lot of time is and efforts wasted in prayer. Well, it is if you don't know how to pray and if you don't have a basis for your prayers. I think a lot of, we've been dealing with enemies of faith in prayer. And I think one of them is praying in hope because if we do not have a scriptural basis for what we are believing God for, we're praying in hope. God doesn't respond to hope. He responds to faith. Decide what you want from God and find the scriptures that definitely promise you those things. And, and that takes care of the problem of John 15, 7. How in the world could Jesus, we'll get there in a minute. How in the world could Jesus promise to give us whatever we ask? Well, it's right here. If we ask outside the will of God, we don't even qualify. That's how he could make a promise like that. Joshua 1.8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. I like the King James better. This book of the law, the word of God, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein, that is on the word, day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein in the word, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. On all these points, we could, add, we could add other scriptures. For example, in the mouth of two or three witnesses is every word established. 
different scriptures we could add along the way if I was going to teach on seven steps to answer prayer. We're just kind of hitting the highlights tonight. So I like to say it like this. Find two or three scriptures that cover your situation. Find two or three scriptures that, that give you a basis in prayer to go to God in faith and believe God for what you want. Number two, ask God for the things you want and believe that you receive them. Ask God for the things you want and believe that you receive them. And probably in my lifetime, the guy that was the strongest on this was John Osteen. And John Osteen would say, God wants you to ask. But see, a lot of us don't ask. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I said he spoke to me Christmas morning and said he wanted this taught tonight. Then Tuesday morning, <laughs> I get over on the west side of my loop and he, he reminded me in February of 1997 when he challenged me to give the half million dollars to put the roof on Bud Sickler's church in Mombasa, Kenya, he told me, he said, if you'll do this, if you'll put another man's dream and vision ahead of your own, I'll give you anything you want. Then Tuesday morning, he said to me, 26 years and 10 months, and he said to me, you've never collected on that. See, that's how little we ask. That's how little we ask. I don't ask that much. I just confess the word and here it comes. But uh, he wants us to ask. And when you ask, be specific. And if, uh, if I were wanting to know more about prayer and I attended this church, I would get The Fourth Dimension by Paul Yonggi Cho because he talks about how that he needed a desk and a chair and a bicycle and he was praying and he never got anything. And the Lord dealt with him about that. What kind of desk? What kind of chair? What kind of bicycle? And as soon as he got specific, the answers came. You see, because if, 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 you just, if, if somebody just shows up and gives you a bicycle, how do you know that was God? Maybe it could be somebody's generosity. But if you say, I want this brand and I want this speed and I want this and it shows up, well, then that's God. You know that's God. So he wants the credit, the glory, and the honor. So ask, but in the asking, be specific. And uh, John 16, 23, 24, in that day you will no longer ask me anything because, see, he's talking to the disciples. They've been traveling together for three and a half years. In that day, what day? After the death, burial, and resurrection, in that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father. All right. <laughs> when I stand up here and I do my thing, I, I, I do everything I can to avoid teaching like you must. So let me say it this way. If you want your prayers answered, pray to the Father. Now you can fellowship with Jesus all you want to. You can fellowship with the Holy Spirit all you want to. But he's giving us a method. And so 
if I'm not fellowshipping with Jesus and I'm not fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit and if I'm asking, well, then there's a way to do it. I tell you the truth, my father. So who are we supposed to ask? We're supposed to go to the father. My father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And so, please, let me, let me, let me uh, instead of being emphatic, let me beg. Uh, maybe that's less offensive. Please, don't, don't pray to Jesus. <laughs> Now, you can fellowship with Jesus all you want to. I do all the time. I tell him how grateful I am that uh, he went to the cross. I fellowship with the Holy Spirit really quite a bit. <laughs> he's, my, he's my lifelong friend and my constant companion. He is with me every moment of every day. I fellowship with him a lot. But when I ask, I follow procedure. And uh, that, that includes praying over your food. Because when, you, when you're asking God to bless your food, what, aren't you asking something? Yeah. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, that's what has the power. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive. Tell your neighbor, God wants you to ask and to receive. Tell the neighbor on the other side, God wants you to ask and to receive. This is a big, huge deal. And John Osteen, one of my daddies in the faith, man, he was spot on when he said, God wants you to ask. I mean, how, how would I feel if, if I found out Austin got jammed up and, and went to a pawn shop and went to a a, a paycheck loan place and, and went to all these places for help and never even talked to me. It'd be disheartening, wouldn't it? He's, he's daddy. He's papa. He's father. And so he wants us to come to him. Amen. And uh, he says, ask and you will receive and that's going to be important in point seven. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Then Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Now, now there's no hope in this. There's no maybe. There's no luck. There's no chance. There's no odds. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be opened. And I tie this in my own thinking together with Luke 18. One men should always pray and never give up. And so I always pray and I never give up. But I do tweak the way I pray. I've hopefully in over 63 years of being saved. I've learned one or two things. And so I always pray. I never give up, but I might tweak the way I'm praying. Mark eleven twenty four. of course, therefore I say unto you, what things serve you desire? When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, you know, a few weeks ago, we talked about the posture of faith on a Sunday morning. Let's go back and look at these verses again with this in mind. 
Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. See, our posture of faith is, I'm believing I receive while I'm praying. And there's no, we're not dealing with luck, chance, hope. John 16, 23, 24, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. So when I go to Father God and I'm asking, I'm asking in the posture of faith, it's a done deal. Now, it may not come the way I thought it would come. It may not come on the schedule I had in mind. It may not come, uh, he may not do it the way I saw it happening, but I, it will come. Can you see that? Matthew 7, 7, 8, ask and it will be given to you. So my posture of faith is what Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. And so that's why we say, <coughs> for example, the money's coming. And don't be talking doubt and unbelief. Don't, don't be saying stuff like, you know, it hurts worse every day. Say, say it's getting better every day. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. How, and a lot of people like to say, well, you know, that doesn't work all the time. Well, then Jesus is, is a liar. Because Jesus said, everyone who asks re, ask, receives. And so if I'm asking, I'm receiving. And that's why I feel perfectly fine saying, well, the money's coming. Amen. Healing's coming. It's all, it's all coming because I'm asking. If I'm asking, I'm receiving. At, because of my relationship with Father God through the Lord Jesus Christ, in effect, to ask is to receive. Can you see that? My goodness. 65 years. 63 years I've been saved. The Lord's never told me no once. You know, and there's all this nonsense. When you go to God, some, it's like a traffic light. Sometimes, you know, it's green. Sometimes it's red. That means no. Sometimes it's yellow. That means wait. That's all nonsense. None of that's in the Bible. And so I go to God. If I'm asking, I'm receiving. It's, it's synonymous because he's my daddy. Number three, let every thought and desire affirm that you have what you have asked for. And this, this, listen, tell your neighbor, if it was easy, Everybody'd be doing it. Because we have an enemy. Let every thought and desire affirm that you have what you have asked for. First Peter 5 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So you I think we blame too much on the devil, but on the other hand, I think we, we don't see his role. He's an enemy of faith. He's not just the enemy of God, he's the enemy of faith. So anything that has anything to do with faith, he is the enemy of it. And the last thing he wants, for, and the last thing he wants is for you to figure prayer out and go to God and receive. Because once, once that happens, you're gone. It's like, on, it's like on tithing and giving. You know, 
once somebody, once somebody gives above and beyond the tithe and, and they receive, they're gone. And nobody can talk them out of it. Number four, guard against every evil thought that comes into your mind to try and make you doubt God's word. Guard against every evil thought that comes into your mind to make you doubt God's word. Sue and I had three advantages. And I, I don't know that I don't know that they can be gained. I think that I mean, I don't know that they can be gained by teaching. I think it's got to be in a person's heart. We had three advantages. Number one, we always love God. People don't love the Lord like I remember years ago. Uh, number two, we always considered the Bible to be the word of God. Huge advantage because people today, you know, somebody asked, it was either Aaron or Austin the other day, what's wrong with abortion? So uh, we always consider the Bible the word of God. And the third thing is we never saw ourselves as believers. We always saw ourselves as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a completely different critter. And so when I say guard against every evil thought that comes into your mind to try and make you doubt God's word, man, you got to get your mind right on the Bible. This, this is the word of God. Everything you see with your eyes is going to pass away. Those mountains you love when you go skiing in the Rockies, that's all going to pass away. It's all going to pass away. Everything's going to pass away. You know, you, you bought some, uh, let's say you got a Louis Vuitton handbag or some uh, Christian Louboutin shoes for Christmas. That's all going to be burnt up. The house you think you love, it's going to be gone. It's all going to be gone. This stands forever. Amen. This stands forever. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. He didn't say they might pass away. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So any thought that comes into your mind to make you question or doubt God's word is by definition evil. How did, I mean, think about Adam and Eve, man. They had it made in the shade. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, uh, Guys can look great when they're young and they got abs and all of that. And, you know, women can look, you know, astounding. But what must Adam and Eve look like? And they were in the garden. And Satan talked them right out, right out the door. Talked them right out of it. His gift is deception. And so... I mean, think about what's going on in this so-called culture in 2023 <laughs> and all the destruction. <laughs> it's really sad. It's horrifying. They believed a lie. They believed a lie. They believed a lie. They believed a lie. And anything contrary to the word of God is a lie. Say it out loud. Anything contrary to the word of God, word of God is, a lie. is a lie. It's a lie. 
I mean, you can confess bulls can have calves till the cows come home. And it, that doesn't make it true. And they got, the, they got the whole society believing nonsense. I mean, it's, it's not just a lie. It's ludicrous. It's insane. So any, and, and I don't care if it's your mama. This is where Sue and I, maybe right there, that's advantage number four. We put the word of God ahead of every relationship. And so, you know, when somebody started talking anti-word, uh, you know, I'm out. And right there is an answer for some of you on prayers not being answered because you're coddling Satan. You're, you're, you're breastfeeding the devil. Yeah. But somebody, somebody around us disagrees with the Bible, we're out. Now, we're kind, we're polite, but they ain't coming to Thanksgiving. And there's not, I'll, I'll go a step further, they're not setting foot in my house. I don't, I don't want it anywhere near me. Now, you might say, that's tight. Yeah, but I get answers to prayer. God answers me. See, because if you're entertaining <laughs> forget about that. Man, they're out here marrying them. Dear God, can you imagine that? Wake up every morning next to somebody that thinks abortion's okay? I can't even imagine. You know, thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God, I'm equally yoked. I mean, that'd just be, uh, or, or marry somebody and they're against prosperity. You know, I'd want to send them for an IQ test. But it happens right here at Faith Christian Center. I don't know about you, but my house insurance, I just got the paperwork today, up 9%. My auto insurance, up 9%. Any, anybody that's against success and prosperity, they're just not very bright. Because stuff's just getting more and more and more and more expensive. So we need more and more and more what? Money. Money. See, but if you go with the Bible, you don't have all these issues. And you don't talk stupid. What's your pronoun? You know, dear God. I mean, you know, see what I'm saying? If you go with the Bible, you, you don't talk stupid. Yeah, and, and I know I'm being strong on this, but this right here, is why people who go to church are defeated and they don't get their prayers answered. I mean, if, 
if you came to my office and you asked me a favor and in the process of asking me a favor called me a liar, how far would you get? But that's what people do all the time with God because they're, they're Facebooking Bible haters. They're lunching with Bible haters. They're uh, doing happy hour with Bible haters. See, nobody can teach seven steps to answer prayer like I can. <laughs> so number four, guard against every evil thought. Evil thought, because every thought that comes into your mind to make you doubt God's word, it is by definition evil. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So every psychology department in America, every sociology department in America, uh, anybody with an IQ north of room temperature knew COVID was a scam because it was being promoted by the exact same people that say men can have babies. It's part and parcel. See, if you tell me, and there's not, a, there's not a rancher in Texas west of Fort Worth that believes that you can castrate a bull and it can have calves. But that's what they believe at Harvard, Yale, Princeton, all the Ivy League schools. So don't be somebody, don't be a, a Christian who thinks God blessed you and made you successful and prosperous so you could send your child to an Ivy League school because they're going to come back a dim bulb. They're going to come back a knit wit. We demolish arguments. So do you, do you Facebook it? Do you like it? And that's why I don't do much social media because I find out about church, you know, people and that somebody, some guy, you know, that used to come here has got a new gay lover. And, and, and I, I hear about how members of this church like that post. See, you just hit the destructo button on your prayers because you're, you're, you're liking. They call it a like because you like it. You're liking something that <laughs> to say it's frowned upon by, by God is an understatement. I just read this the other night, Genesis 19. It's the only time God nuked the earth. So maybe it would be a good idea to not go that way. Or to like it. We demolish arguments. We don't, we don't friend it. We don't befriend it. We don't like it. We don't placate it. We don't uh, wink at it. We demolish our... Look, this is the last Wednesday night of the year. We either believe something or we don't. Amen. We either stand with God or we're playing at it. We demolish arguments and every pretension, and that's what they are, pretensions. 
that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, to make make our thought life obedient to Christ, to make our thought life obedient to the Word of God. I like the King James better. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Number five, meditate constantly on the promises upon which you base the answer to your prayer. In other words, on point one, those two or three scriptures that are the basis for your prayer. Number five, meditate constantly on the promises upon which you base the answer to your prayer. Proverbs 4, 20 to 22 says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they, that is the words of God, for they, my words, are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. So you have to keep it in front of you. The scriptures. I know it irritates Satan. And, and we see it in some of the, you know, comments on the, at the church. But, you know, the Lord my God's meeting all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That changed my life. Not when I read it and and left it on the coffee table. Not when I read it and left it on the dashboard. Not when I read it once a year in the annual Bible reading. It changed our lives when I got it right there and I kept it right there. And heck or high water, I kept it right there and it was coming out of my mouth. I mean, it must have been coming out of our mouths in 1989 a hundred times a day. And then the ship turned. And then I heard Kenneth Hagin say, be careful with Philippians 4.19. You can get sucked there. And I thought, oh my goodness. You know, we had our needs met, but that was it. Needs met, needs met, needs met, needs met. I, I think prosperity is the one place where it is a good thing to be made fat. Amen. King James phrase. And so I like having more than I need. So then I found other verses that cover me on that. For they, the words of God, are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Have you noticed, have you noticed, have you noticed that in 2023, there's more sickness everywhere? Have you seen that? All right. I submit to you, it is man veering further and further and further from the word of God. And it is man trusting man. Number six, in your every waking moment, think on the greatness of God and his goodness and count your blessings. And this this, uh, series to go to related to this would be an old one. It's on the app, The Praise Cure. In your every waking moment, think on the greatness of God and his goodness and count your blessings. Of course, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's also, you know, Philippians is great on, on gratitude and thankfulness. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So, Related to point number seven, get complaints out of your mouth. Stop complaining and go to praising number seven. Make every prayer relative to what you've asked for a statement of faith instead of unbelief. Don't don't go to God with your complaints. He's not the complaint department. 
I was still a young man when it dawned on me. He didn't care to hear my complaints. He wasn't interested in my complaints. He has no ears for my complaints because what he has ears for is the word of God. And if I rehearse the word of God to God, there's no complaint in it. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. and He'll give you the desires of your hearts. He doesn't say complain all day long and God will give you the desires of your hearts. Delight, delight, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Everybody say with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Present your request to God with thanksgiving. So in other words, every I make every, every prayer relative to what I've asked for a statement of faith instead of unbelief. So don't be asking the Lord things like, you know, how long is it going to be until you answer? Don't be going to God and saying, you know, how long do I have to put up with this pain? Don't, don't be talking to the Lord like that. Make every statement related to what you have asked God for a statement of faith and not unbelief. Thank you, Father God. I love it. Lift both hands right now and say, thank you, Father God. I'm healed right now from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. You see, it's a posture. Amen. And it's, it's, I always picture it like being a catcher in baseball. See, I'm there and I'm, I'm, I'm in a posture and I'm anticipating the pitch. I'm anticipating what? Receiving. It's come because it's coming. All right. So you have that. Now it's on the app. And we were talking last time about enemies of prayer. And we were talking about depending on another person's faith. And this, in my opinion, is a great enemy of faith our dependence on other people's faith. And E.W. Kenyon says that when we do this, we unconsciously become a spiritual hitchhiker. We don't have our own car, so we're hitchhiking. We don't have our own faith, so we're a spiritual hitchhiker. And I think that this is actually one of the biggest problems in full gospel churches across the land. People want to do nothing, not read their Bible, not tithe, not give, not be a doer of the word, not pray. But then when tragedy strikes, they want someone else to pray and work a miracle for them. And it just doesn't happen that much. I don't know. I'd hate to try and put a percentage on it, but I think it's kind of rare. Now, I, I left off last time telling the story, I think it was about praying for a little girl's cat at the hotel. So when it's a new believer, yes, you're a lot more likely to be able to exercise your faith on behalf of a new believer. But God expects us to do something with our faith. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But the only way we grow faith is by taking action on the word of God. Now listen, I'm cognizant of what's going on here. I'm not, I'm not out of it. I get it. See, the problem is people come in here and they've been to 15 places where the guy doesn't have any calling or he has no power with God or he has no 
life experience with God and they come in here and I talk like I do and it just seems awful strong. I get it. I do. But what, what can I do? I can't change myself. I am who I am. I know him. I've walked with him 63 years. He calls me a couple of, uh, by a couple of office names. What am I going to do about it? And he answers me. I have power with God. Amen. And I want everybody to have power with God. Amen. See? Weak people like hanging out with weak people. But if you've ever learned to play tennis or let's say golf or anything like that, you don't get better by playing with somebody worse than you. When I was in junior high school, Bethesda Missionary Temple had not started a Christian school yet. And even if they had, my parents would never have sprung for the money. And so... Uh, but I was in the church. Church had a basketball team, junior high school, and I played basketball, and I, I wasn't very good. And uh, so one of my friends, he, they were Jewish believers, and they still lived in the city. His name was Nathan, Nathan Agawas, and he was always after me to come and spend the day with him, you know, because we went to church in the morning, went to church at night, so I could have gone home with him, had lunch, and then gone back to church. My mom picked me up. Sunday night. So finally I said, yes. You know, I asked my mom, I, and, but now, then I discovered, I saw how, how he got to be so good in basketball. He was smaller than me and skinny, and, but he was good. And so after we ate lunch, he said, well, let's go down to the schoolyard. We went down to the schoolyard. Well, he st they still lived in the city. And so we played pickup ball with the brothers. That's how you learn to play, how to play basketball. You know, you don't learn how to play basketball, you know, with white boys out in the suburbs. So, uh, so I got better. In fact, the last year I was there at Bethesda playing, they voted me the most improved player. But it was simply because of association. Yes. Yes. You see that? Yes. Association. Yes. And so, but, but weakness likes to hang out with weakness. And you don't pull ahead like that. You, you, get, you get associated with something strong and you stay associated with something strong. <laughs> and when the medicine is strong, you take it. Amen? So God, we dealt with this in the 2018 Holy Week Revival Mount Moving Faith. God has given to every man a measure of faith. Romans 12, 3. For I say, though, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So God's given us a measure of faith. And the only way to grow your faith, their only way is to take action on the word of God. That's it. There's no other way to grow your faith. There is no other way to grow your faith. You take action on the word of God. When you take action on the word of God and God meets you there, you're stronger. You're not weaker. And that's why... I, I, I know I can seem strong. Well, because I've been doing this a while. Amen. 
You step out in faith. And they went forth, Mark 16, last couple of verses in the chapter, and they went forth and preached the word everywhere, the Lord working with them, the Lord working with them, the Lord working with them. But see, if you ain't working, he ain't working. Amen. Can you see that? Yes. If you ain't working, he ain't working. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word, not confirming them, confirming the word with signs following. So we take action on the word of God and he meets us there and we get stronger. We don't get weaker. We get stronger. And then we take action on the word of God and he meets us there. And we get stronger. So developing your faith is your responsibility. And we had this great testimony a couple of weeks back. And in that testimony, that man said the dirty little secret is you have to have your own faith. Now, again, a brand new believer, they can come to us. And, and a lot of times we can get them through it. But then if they come back five years later and they have a tragedy, it may not, it may not happen that way because God expects them to grow their faith. God expects them to take action on the Word of God. See, if we, if we would take more action on the Word of God, we'd be stronger, not weaker. John 15, 7, and here's where it plays out. This is what I wanted to get to because it ties into the seven steps to answered prayer. The only way we, get, the only way we build up our faith is by taking action on the Word of God. Now, now think about what I'm saying and, and assume, assume, just take, take it for granted, assume that I know what I'm talking about. That the only way to grow your faith and to get stronger in your faith is to take action on the word of God. Now, think about this. The average modern church in America is designed to encourage you to take more action on the word of God or less action on the word of God. Less. And see what's happening? Everybody gets weaker, 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 weaker. They're ashamed to receive offerings. We're going to receive an offering here in a few minutes. If you don't like it, well, you know, the doors swing both ways. John Osteen, one of my favorite fathers in the faith, said... <laughs> In every service, you must give people an opportunity to take action on the Word of God. And one way we can give people an opportunity to take action on the Word of God in every service is the offering. Yes. Now, all of you have, have experienced this. You've given nothing. Did you ever hear from me? Did I call? Did I email? Did I text? Did you get a what's up? <laughs> it's free will. But we must, if we're going to be doers of the New Testament, give an opportunity for the people of God to take action in every service and one way, not the only way, one way is in that offering. Can you see that? Amen. And if somebody doesn't want to participate, they'll never hear from us. 
Never hear from us. Never one time. Have we ever, have we ever contacted somebody and say, you know, what's up? But you have no idea. You, you don't even know where you're sitting. We had a man one time gave us $300,000 on a closing that didn't happen. And I went to him and I said, now look, I said, I said, I get it. You gave a tithe on something that didn't happen. And I said, so if over the course of the next year, year and a half, however long it takes, if, if you do less given to square that up, I get it. And he said to me, he said, Pastor, I would never do the Lord that way. He said, I gave the money. And he said, something will come down the road that would have brought me up, that would have caused me to tie that $300,000. See, that is a whole completely different attitude than, you know, I ain't giving nothing. I'm not, I ain't giving no $5. Man, I'm not even going to give a dollar. But anyway, we're doers of the word of God. And so we give people an opportunity to give. If somebody doesn't give, we never say a word about it. But guys that can tie the, that big money, man, that's to make up for the people who don't give. Can you see that? And I love, I love, it's the last Wednesday night of the year, so, you know, why not just be open? Man, I love giving heavy money. I love it, I love it, I love it. I mean, the only thing I know better than a $1,000 tithe is a $10,000 tithe. The only thing that beats a $10,000 tithe is a $100,000 tithe. I love it. I love it. Because whatever, whatever I'm given, you, you know, there's that much more left at home. See, it's a mental mindset. And I just read this. One of the men of the church, he's making over 10 times what he was making when he walked in the doors. And he told me, he said, it all changed for him when he stopped focusing on how much money he was get, uh, how much money he was making, and he started focusing on how much money he was given. He said, then it started flowing like water. In other words, rather than I'm going to make X, I'm going to give X. And he said, and now he's he's up over ten times what he was making when he first heard me speak. John 15, 7, we'll quit. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, it, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Words. Now, whose words? Whose words? The guy who doesn't know where he is and has to be led around by an ice cream cone? Whose words? Talk to me. Whose words? The, the, the professor of psychology's words? The professor of sociology's words? Whose words? God's words. That's where the power is. That's why everything in this so-called modern society is designed to chip away at God's word. 
That's what it's all about. That's their game. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now look at the language and what he actually says. You will ask what you desire. <laughs> well, pastor, how do I know what the will of God is for my life? The will of God is basically your will unless your will is contrary to his will. Amen. You like green? He like, you know, he's in favor of it. You want a green convertible? He, he's good to go. You know, you want, a, you want a red sedan? He's fine with that. You know, you want four wives? Eh, you're out of bounds. <laughs> so God's will is basically your will unless your will is contrary to his will. And so Sue will hear me talk at the house about how I got to stay in my lane. If I stay in my lane, I have power with God. If I get outside of my lane, then it, it stops happening. So I stay in my lane. <laughs> Abide means to live in, settle down in, and take up residence in. Not an overnight stop. Long term. So here's a paraphrase and we'll quit. If you live in, settle down in, take up residence in me and my words live in, settle down in and take up residence in you, you shall ask what you desire and it shall be done unto you. Say it out loud. I'll ask what I desire and it shall be done. It shall be done. It shall be done for me.